Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Hello, Seattle. Hello, Pacific Northwest. It's Happy Hour Radio time. 11 a.m. right here on your dial, 570 KVI. And I'm sure everybody is watching college football and eating leftover turkey all weekend, having a great time, and uh, getting ready to get out of the house and party. You've had enough of the friends and family version. You want to get out and dance off that turkey time. Um, speaking of dancing, we're dancing in studio here with uh, the holiday barrel tasting. It's happening in Walla Walla. All excited about that. That's uh, next weekend. So if you want to go check out the newest, greatest, tastiest, vivacious wines in the world, seriously, Walla Walla is the place. Holiday barrel tasting coming up. And uh, if you want to learn about wine, check out uh, my friend Jeffrey Dorgan. The SpaceNeedle.com has a wine academy, and his next event is in January. So you'll get set up. Uh, holiday gift time. Uh, tell someone, hey, I got something for you. It's called wine knowledge. Yeah, you could use it. Seriously. It's uh, SpaceNeedle.com backslash wine academy. But uh, speaking of knowledge, we've got a lot of knowledge here in the studio. And I'm not just talking about my guests. I'm talking about... Uh, the Psalm Slam champion, the uh, director of the Wildwood Spirits portfolio, uh, the director of wine and spirits at John Howie Restaurants Incorporated, and uh, well, MissFoodista.com. Sherry Weatherall is here in studio. Right now, I've got Eric Leadholm, advanced sommelier, and much, much more. Eric, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks yeah, for having me. So excited. Um, way to run out there. Let's just start for a second. Um, we had a chance to meet about 12 years ago. I yeah. think when uh, uh, we were doing this whole sommelier thing, and right. um, you uh, and Shane were leading uh, the charge here for the, the 206 and 425 and 253. Yeah, the, all the area codes. <laughs> yeah, being an advanced sommelier, and uh, you've got a great passion, and you landed with a, a fantastic partner, uh, Chef John Howie. Tell me about that, Genesis. Well, I was working for Hyatt Hotels. I was the food and beverage director downtown, and I got this call one day you know, new to the area, uh, from a guy named John Howie. And he said, hi, I'm John Howie. And I said, hi, John Howie. I'm Eric Leadholm. Yeah, well, uh, I want you to come work for me. <laughs> and for those of you who, who know who John Howie is and have seen John Howie, you know he's a very large human being. And uh, he came into the our restaurant at the Hyatt and, uh, you know, uh, gave me a blank piece of paper and said, here it is, whatever you want. And his large girth, the blank sheet of paper, it was uh, convincing enough for me to say, hey, okay. Sounds like a confession. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, there's always a a certain amount of guilt around when when John comes into the room, because you're like, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Hyatt Empire lost you, but uh, to our gain, uh, the John Howie... His restaurants include Sport, which is just below us. We've got the Sea Star... uh, 
wouldn't call it a franchise, but you've got the two locations. Mm-hmm. Well, one, which would be uh, Waiting for Incarnation, and of course, right. John Howie Steak. Am I missing something? Uh, well, we have the Adriatic Grill in Tacoma, mm. uh, and we are opening the Beardsley Public House uh, next January 2015, uh, which will have a brewery and my distillery, Wildwood Spirits Company. All in one. All in one. Wow. And you'll serve food. We'll serve food. Everything's made from scratch. We have a wood-burning oven. We have lots of charcuterie. Um, everything, you know, to use the cliche, farm-to-table, but it really is. But it's very simple food um, and approachable. And we're real excited about it. That's fantastic. Uh, so big parties. I'm sure all the great media will be invited, and uh, we'll talk about it nonstop. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. enjoy ourselves immensely. Yeah. So uh, you are a Midwest guy, like I'm a Midwest guy, and there's so many of us, like the Jake Kossoffs and the yeah. Jason uh, Wilsons. Um, sure. What got you into actually the idea of craft distilling? Well, being a wine guy. Well, I, I, I'm sure you can relate to the fact that part of being a sommelier is to be, you know, knowledgeable about not just wine, but beer, spirits, well, even cigars. Um, and, you know, it was the creativity side that got me really going with uh, spirits, partly because in my past life I was a chef, and I missed that actual, that sense of experimentation and that tactile feel you get when, you know, you create something. And uh, That you don't have to wait two years in barrel, right? Well, yeah, unless you're making bourbon yes, or true. whiskey, yeah, yeah. So, but if you are an impatient person, you can get by with just a clear spirit. I want it now, right? Exactly, yeah. But uh, you know, it it uh, things changed a couple of years ago. The legislation changed in the state, and they allowed a restaurant owner like myself to make potent potables, and that was kind of the the final uh, you know hammer to nail that that decided that this is a route we should take. I, ha- I had a, uh, a small still from Portugal that I was uh, experimenting <laughs> with, and since I didn't kill myself or anyone around me, uh, that kind of created this genesis of, of, of creation of different spirits. I, I got some pumice from Mark McNeely at Mark Ryan Winery and made some grappa, and, and it was great. Uh, I was actually really impressed. With, you know, it had a venosity to it, and I wasn't blinded after drinking it. And uh, it was kind of this push forward. A buddy and buddy of mine and I were going to, you know, start a small distillery. And John, how he got wind of it, and of course, it goes back to when I was first hired. And there's a large man sitting in front of me saying, "I want to be a part of this." Oh wow! And I was like, okay, great, let's do it. <laughs> and I got Knuckles here to back me up. Yeah. And actually, you mentioned my Midwest roots. The name Wildwood Spirits Company harkens back to the street I grew up on in East Lansing, Wildwood. Oh, sweet. And, uh, you know, the, our house that I grew up on is in the back label and um, so there's a, a almost a full circle it's a it's a great circle and I'm excited to taste it and I would love hearing the story speaking with Eric Leadholm, the uh, founder creator director of Wildwood Spirits here in funny it's East Lansing Michigan meets where are you living now Ballard. Ballard. Yeah. All the beautiful people are in Ballard now. I, I, I always thought so. <laughs> well, I like the fact that you're making potent potables because the impotent potables, we got plenty of that out there already. I want exactly, something exactly. With, you know, that's really going <laughs> to... Right. <laughs> um, so you're doing a, a 
Well, tell me about the Wildwood Spirits. I see a label, but I don't see Wildwood on it. Sure. Uh, Wildwood's in the back. Um, we uh, kind of also harken back to my Swedish heritage. And, uh, in fact, the the man who I worked with in doing an estage and learning the, the actual creativity side of, of distillation, a guy named Chris Berglund, who's Swedish, who's a biochemist at Michigan State University. Oh, that's right. And they have the only learning lab of its kind in the country for distillation. And uh, I called him up, and this was a few years ago, and said, hey, you know, here's my idea. What do you think? And he was really excited about it. And we went back, and uh, we sent 15,000 pounds of Washington red winter wheat back to East Lansing and did a nice fermentation and then turned that into uh, some nice vodka, which in turn we turned into some gin. And uh, so along the Swedish riff, uh, our vodka is called Stark Vatten, which means strong water in Swedish. Oh. And our gin is called Kur, uh, K-U-R, which, you know, sounds you know, just like we want it to do. We want it to cure you. And uh, we look at gin, particularly ours, as like the universal panacea for, you know, whatever ails you. I love it. Some universities make Gatorade for their yeah, fame. And other right. universities yeah. make beautiful distillations. And that's why Michigan State students are much more happy than Florida students. Yeah. <laughs> Gatorade can only get you so far. That's true. Uh, if we were only Red Bull, we'd be in business uh, in multiple <laughs> ways. Uh, well, so cool. So you've... Um, You've created this, you have a distillation, distillery now. I mean, I take it you've graduated from your Portuguese still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something much larger? Yeah, well, we actually, we, we, we produced a few hundred cases in East Lansing using all Washington materials. So the substrate, the wheat, we uh, sent over to East Lansing. And actually the botanicals for the gin, uh, the Braeburn apples and the Douglas fir are from my backyard. I've never heard of apples being used in the distillation yeah. process outside of Calvados or anything like that. Yeah, it gives it gives a, a real nice nuance. There's a little pectin in there that actually, after you ferment it, distills into a really nice uh, kind of, uh, you know, the esterification that happens. It's, it's a nice kind of apple flowery note. Now, do you get a uh, an honorary doctorate here because <laughs> you went back to the school and decided to... Well, yeah. I mean, we I didn't go into this blindly. I didn't want to just say, oh, I, dis I want to distill now. I actually went to the Institute of Brewing and Distilling in London, England, and uh, went through the whole master distiller course. Um, and so that was kind of an arduous process. But I wanted to learn the pragmatic side of it's distilling. It's a long commute, or is that more of a, a week? Yeah, long? that was <laughs> like, uh, that was a quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a back and forth kind of thing. Like my trip from Ballard to Bellevue every day. Oh. <laughs> which actually seems like it takes as long as flying to England. <laughs> okay. Without the flight attendants. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so now you have a distillery here. So your first batch was, are you waiting to have uh, your establishment up in Bothell? To yeah. Our, our facility opens in January, um, but we have enough gin and vodka to get us through until we open. Is this pr um, only proprietary on-premise now, or do you actually have some retail? We actually, it's available at Whole Foods, um, Thriftway Stores, Wine World, um, oh. and, uh, you know, at your favorite restaurant. I love it. Well, I can't wait to try it. Speaking with Eric Leadholm, the uh, doctor distiller. In fact, I'm going to call <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Like that. Dr. Detroit from Michigan. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's an old movie. Uh, loving it here on Happy Hour Radio, chatting about uh, Cure, uh, the cure-all, of course, being his uh, gin with Braeburn apples. And what are some of the botanicals in there? Well, it has a juniper base. We wanted to make a London dry-style gin. We weren't really trying to reinvent the wheel. We just wanted, uh, you know, a pure 
gin that you could have, you know, on the rocks or tonic or have in your favorite cocktail. A pure um, cure. A pure cure. Very good. We'll use you for our ad campaign, Chris. Oh, great. I'm looking for some <laughs> media endorsements or some product endorsements. Uh, but coriander, fennel. Um, we also um, distill each uh, botanical separately. So we do 13 separate fractions. The idea is that we can use out-of-season ingredients at any time. So one of oh. the orange component to the gin is really important to it. And yeah. so we use Seville oranges, which I think have the best orange essence. So we use fresh Seville oranges and we distill that during the fall and winter when they're available. Curious, um, let me ask you about that because when we talk about um, orange rinds or citrus rinds in mm-hmm. general, obviously you've got two sides to it. You've got the outside, which contains the color and the oil, mm-hmm. but the inside contains the pith. And sometimes you wonder, like, is, does the pith removed or how do you utilize that? We use a, We actually use a microplane. We have a bunch of people using microplanes just getting the... Sweatshop. Yeah. Well, there you said it. I didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we just microplane the essence off the orange. So we get the essential oils, all of the aromatics. And you save the juice for the cocktails later? Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, this is so fun. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to try. So when we come back from this break, we're going to uh, dive into these beautiful spirits from Wildwood Spirits Distillery, right? How, what's, the, what's the total, what's the full name of the Wildwood Spirits Company. Wildwood Spirits Company. And uh, you had to transfer your bond, or did you actually, was East Lansing, was Michigan State bonded to actually produce the distillate? We actually used their bond and their DSP number, Ah. um, and uh, that enabled us to do exactly what we wanted to do. And uh, how many times did it take to try to figure out what exactly you wanted infused or or, um, percolated into? It it took about two weeks um, to decide on the botanical makeup, the percentages. And it was done very scientifically. I had four Ph.D. candidates working on our project with me and four uh, Ph.D.s. More sweatshop. I love it. Yeah, each one had their own discipline, too. So I had one guy geek out on carbon filtration. So I spent a week with him discussing what kind of carbon we'd use to filter our vodka. Another guy had his whole dissertation on juniper and how the different juniper from different countries affects gins, uh, aromatics, and flavor. And uh, so it was great having those resources. And um, I could throw things off them, and they'd throw ideas off me. And, and, you know, we came out with something we're real happy with. We you know, we got uh, wine and spirits, top 10 spirits of the year. Um, we got a double gold best in show at the New York Wine and Spirits Competition. Um, All right. Mouth is watering now. I yeah. A bit parched. But when we come back from this break, I want to pour a little of these, these great spirits, and we'll uh, taste some of these PhD uh, distillates from, uh, you know, whether the Sparty's got it going on or not. Sounds like he does. Right here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, this is Chris Gorman from Gorman Winery, and you are listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. 
Well, you might as well call us doctors because we've got the cure for what ails you. If uh, This could be a digestif, I wonder, because I could have it before. That'd be an aperitif for digestif. Speaking with Eric Leadholm and Miss Sherry Weatherall, the lady, the lovely lady behind Foodista.com. But Eric, uh, you've got this beautiful gin, Wildwood Spirits Company. Um, PhDs contributed. It's really a NASA project, is what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have small nuclear devices installed at the distillery. Sean Connery. Yes. Mr. Moneypenny. Yes. Uh, well, loving this. You know, I, I was mentioning off air that for me, gin has been one of the uh, the personal growth um, areas for myself because it's like when you're young, you don't like mushrooms or might not like Brussels sprouts uh, but uh, or, or single malt scotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Takes yeah. a while. Well, it is. I, I, I equate it to Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, it's a real polarizing beverage. Um, you know, Sauvignon Blanc has all those pyrazines. And, and juniper has that, uh, I guess you could call it a, a bit of a medicinal note. Those oils from juniper kind of carry on that uh, apothecary smell. All the bad juniper, I mean, gin, see, I just put this in my mouth while you were, you know, waxing poetically about apothecary. And that, <laughs> for all those who don't know, it's about uh, one of those shops where they do herbs. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but talk about mouthfeel. This, to me, is is overwhelmingly pretty and balanced, Thank and you. it it has a generosity that most London dry gins never actually have. Thank you. Well, we we started with the vodka because um, ultimately gin is flavored vodka, and we needed to make the gin right, which to me is the most difficult spirit to make because by definition, vodka should be flavorless and odorless. But what we can do to the vodka is is give it texture, viscosity, uh, almost an oiliness. And that's what we wanted in our vodka. Because um, you know, vodka is like the tofu of the spirit world. You know, you basically add things to vodka. Or if you're lucky <laughs> enough to have, like, really good caviar, and, and then you can drink it straight, ice cold. But ultimately, vodka is a vehicle. Gin is its own entity. And so we use the vodka to make the gin. And we wanted to have that mouthfeel viscosity, which... You know, thankfully, you picked up. Um, and uh, beyond the juniper, we wanted it to be really citrus-driven. So you could have it just on the rocks, or you could have it in a tonic and have it lift all the other elements of the gin. Um, or ultimately, I'm, my favorite cocktail is a Negroni, and I, I needed to make sure it was going to be good in a Negroni. So... You know, that was that to me was the litmus test. Well, it all starts with with great ingredients, as you know, in cooking and making wine and obviously uh, spirits included, especially when it comes to something as um, particular as the botanical uh, driven infused spirits. And, and what do you call it? Do you call it a percolation? Do you call it a, a maceration, a infusion? What was the actual chemical process that takes place? Well, you mentioned all three, actually, and, and they're gins made around the world, which you use any one of those methods um, uh, percolation involves what uh, something called the gin basket which is actually a question that's asked quite often on the master sommelier exam um, but uh, ultimately um, we don't necessarily infuse um, and we don't necessarily macerate either we we kind of do all of them um, because we want to get the essence out of each botanical. Um, and so, as I mentioned earlier, we distill each of those botanicals separately and we submerge the botanicals naked in the pot and then we run a fraction through. Um, and once we get our heart from the run of the spirit, um, we store it and then we do the subsequent 
runs of the different botanicals. When we're done, then we can do a mm. consistent blend, almost like a wine. You so know, you Bordeaux. purify the spirit first. You get exactly what you want. You talk about speaking of the heart. You're, you're minusing the heads and the tails, which are the high ester ethyl alcohols that are very fusel, right? They don't taste good. Well, they have yeah, and generally the the heads, the first cut has a lot of methanol and nasty congeners, which uh, you know butyric acid, a lot a lot of things which uh, they don't sound pretty and they don't smell pretty. Uh, so you know we. Go Go for the heart, and because of our distillery, you know, our business model is such that we want it to be a self-sustaining business by just selling to our restaurants. So we're not in it to make a, a high-yielding spirit. We cut into our hearts, in fact, so we we eliminate all the congeners that are out there. Now, when we start making bourbon, we'll probably introduce some congeners because you want that um, to add character. Uh, but because they're clear spirits, we want them to just be you know, amplifications of the individual botanicals. Do PhDs determine what is the precise temperature or distillation length to achieve optimum uh, freshness or aromatic uh, uh, and not getting the bitterness um, components to um, some of the, the spirits and the botanicals? The, the, no, the PhDs would tell me why something is a certain way. So if I smelled something mm. that was off... They actually put it through a spectrometer, which can measure aromatics. This is Batman, right? Huh? Yeah, they have. It's like a half million dollar aromatic sensing device, and so if there's a spike in a particular aroma, they they'll tell me, oh, that's what it is. I said, well, how can we eliminate that? And so, what do they say? I don't know. <laughs> Never, never, never. I mean, they they look at it as like a little challenge. The candidates, though, they haven't proven themselves, really. Well, pretty, they're all total dorks, and they're all really into it. So. <laughs> In the nicest term possible, Absolutely. because they're so focused. Yeah. Yeah, they call us cork dorks. What the heck? I'm, right. I'm kind of fond of it. I'm looking for my license plate. <laughs> Just a letter off. Can't figure out which one to get rid of. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> uh, Ms. Weatherall, so um, yes. tell me again about your um, perception or perspective on this being much like a recipe. Well, I, I mean, I, I will be honest, I don't know anything about the distillation process of spirits, but from a culinary perspective, it's always um, a fascinating thing to, you know, know the ingredients of a particular beverage. I happen to be a huge gin fan, um, but I think where it does cross over into the culinary world is when you start to mix it with, with other wonderful things, which can enhance the, the flavor of, of that spirit. And it's, it's you know made us all want to drink more, I think. You know? <laughs> Imbibe. In moderation, a lot. I just do moderation a lot. Yeah. Um, well, Eric, tell me this. Can you please make a great tonic? Because um, it's hard to find a tonic that doesn't have high fructose corn syrup and actually doesn't sit on the shelf and doesn't, dis you know, mm -hmm. can you do that? We, we actually make some really good tonic. However, um, we, we would want to make tonic that would sell and people want to buy uh, tonic that's clear. And uh, unless you have a centrifuge, um, you can't oh. get the because all of that the chinooka bark where uh, quinine comes from um, is powdery in powdery form. Even an extract, uh, it'll come out as being very brown, and mm. so it makes uh, a gin and tonic look a little muddy. And uh, while it tastes really good, it just doesn't look particularly attractive. Well, they were able to make clear Coke Crystal Pepsi at one point. What's the... <laughs> <laughs> and that worked really well, didn't it? Yeah, I guess yeah. not. I yeah. see what your point and is. And they also make Zima. Uh, oh, wow. Taking us back. This is great. Live, reliving the 90s. <laughs> we can all relate here on Happy Hour Radio. Well, um, Eric, you uh, were just recently 
crowned or bestowed the title of what? Some. Some Slam champion. We yes, right. Some and so Slam Slam. So say that fast after some, some more cure. Gin. I need some cure. Here's, <laughs> have some more. Chris. So Slam Slam is uh, a uh, sommelier uh, competition which takes place in New York City, and mm-hmm. it happens uh, I think the last week of October or something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the sixth year, I believe. This is the fifth year. Fifth year, um, and it's the ninth um, annual International Chefs Congress that's mm. affiliated. With Star Chefs magazine. I uh, love that. And um, it, it's a, actually a really great congress, and the symposium brings hundreds of chefs, sommeliers, pastry chefs, mixologists from around the world to speak about, you know, all things culinaria. And so that in itself was kind of an inspiring yeah, reason neat. to go. Especially with your, your food background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was invited. I, I I was impressed I was invited being as elderly as I am. Uh, it seems like lately a lot of the competitions don't favor the chronologically gifted. So right. I, oh, I like that, chronologically I, gifted. I looked at it as yes. kind of an opportunity to show my staff who I'm training and preparing to take their level one and level two uh, courses and exams to the Court of Master Sommeliers. And if I had said no to the invitation, I think it would have been a bit of a double double standard. So I went with the idea that well, even if I don't do well, I participated. And you got a ribbon for participating. You got it. Yeah. And I could just show them, look, even though I didn't pass or win, I, I still went. And you and take s- advantage of those invitations, experience, yeah. exposure. Yeah. So I, I went, and it was a a, a great panel of, of Somalis. There were 10 com- Ten competitors, and uh, each one had their own really great skill set. There was a guy from Eleven Madison Park, which is a three-star Michelin restaurant. Another guy from Janoon, which is a two-star Michelin restaurant, and and it was uh, littered with Michelin stars. And me from <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're representing. We're the Super Bowl champions. Well, yeah, but I, I have to say that uh, I was quite quite pleased when. They spoke so highly of the Seattle kind of sommelier incubator that we are. And this uh, is true. It was exciting. Well, um, I'm proud of you. I know that you. all of us in our community is very proud of you, especially you. Uh, for not only representing so well, but representing the industry so well with uh, Cure Gin, Wildwood Spirits Company, and Starvrek. Stark Watson. Stark Watson. Strong uh, water. Strong water. Eric Leadholm, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Great Loved to be it. here. Hey, when we come back, we'll be with Sherry Weatherall with foodista.com. So stick around. The home of the great one. Mark Levin. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, hey, and welcome back. We are having a good time in studio. Uh, Eric Leadholm, the uh, Psalm Slam champion, uh, director of wine and spirits for John Howie's Empire of Restaurants, and the founder of Wildwood Spirits, pouring some of his uh, Stark Flecken and uh, Cure Gin. I think I got that right. Uh, I'm so pleased now to, to introduce um, a lovely lady, the uh, Queen of Foodista. 
Sherry Weatherall, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be here. So, um, what's great about this connection is that we both live in the beautiful town of North Admiral, which is now a town, and <laughs> <laughs> great neighborhood, but we tend to have a bunch of foodie people and whiny, well, we have some whiny people there too, actually. We do? Uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Um, you were in the tech world for a while, and then how did Foodista come to be? Well, Barnaby, my other half, and I have always been passionate about food and travel, so we had dreamed of starting some sort of business around the two, so we decided to take one chunk of, of the duo and, and focused on food. So we we launched the domain name oh back in 2004, 2005, and then it was just a recipe search engine, and we were working for other technology companies at the time, and living in the Bay Area, I wanted to move back to Seattle, so we, after a few years, we said, let's go back and connect with our foodie friends and start Foodista. And did you reach out, I mean, you said, hey, let's connect with them, so what did you ask them? Would you write some recipes, or how does that work? Well, we actually uh, tar- really reached out to food bloggers as the low-hanging fruit when, when we... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, so we, when we first launched Foodista, it was a kind of a, a Wikipedia of food. So it was user generated, but we also algorithmically pulled in uh, recipe content um, from from the web. But uh, so we reached out to food bloggers, say, "Hey, you want to share your your recipes on on Foodista?" So that's how we quickly built our our user base, and we're still we still get a lot of of user generated content like that. Um, but that also turned into the International Food Blogger Conference. We had this huge food blogger community and we thought hey there's no you started that? we did we were the first ever food blogger conference back in 2009 we wow. went, yeah we we wanted to go to a conference for our industry but found that there there was none i mean there were blogger conferences but there weren't specifically conference uh, there was not specifically a conference for food bloggers so we started it you need to google search congress because apparently there's a couple of those (laughs) 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 well that's fantastic was the first the first food bloggers conference here in seattle did you find it was the first two were here we thought if we got 50 people in a room to talk about food uh writing and technology it would be great and we instantly sold out we thought well our space has room for 50 more so let's have 100 people and it was amazing sir latab was a, a sponsor they put together this amazing 25 pound goodie bag that was worth like seven hundred dollars it was it was crazy and afterwards everybody said great when's the next one and we all looked at each other and said oh well shoot (laughs) we're in the event business now next year so yeah we've been doing one ever since so the first two were in seattle and where was your location the first one was out in west seattle at the sanctuary if you know that place it's this uh... great converted church um like 1929 church. It was beautiful. Uh, the second one was at Theo Chocolate, so that we thought that was apropos for a food mm-hmm. blogger conference, so we could smell the toasting of the cocoa beans, and, you know, it was very Willy Wonka-esque. Um, and then the the following year, 2011, we decided to do two, so we did one in New Orleans and one in Santa Monica. That was a bit too much, so we went back down to one. Then we did uh, Portland, Oregon. You know, sometimes choices are good when you give them yeah. a choice of three. That way, they've got a free will. But you give them a choice of two, they don't know which one to pick. Yeah, it was it was a little a little hairy, um, but they were both great, fun fun events. Great, to, especially to be in New Orleans. This was um, post BP. 
So we were oh. we were hoping to bring in a lot of um, fresh food seafood. bloggers and yeah, fresh <laughs> seafood exactly. Well, to show people that you know it was safe to eat the seafood, and um, so that definitely helped. We think with, that we made a little bit of an impact on the culinary community there and bringing people in. So oh, I'm sure. And uh, uh, do you continue this enterprise, or have you pared down just to uh, pursue just foodista.com content? Oh, no. we've It's kind of like two separate businesses, Foodista and, and IFBC, the International Food Blogger Conference. Um, we've grown, I mean, from 100 uh, attendees the first year to now almost 450. So it's become a huge event. Now we've partnered with um, Zephyr Adventures. They host the, the Wine Blogger Conference. See, I knew them. Bloggers. That's why I was curious. Yeah. Right. So they... they um, they help us out. Um, they're great partners. Um, so we've we've actually incorporated a lot of wine in the last few years at our conference, which is great. And now we hope to do spirits and craft beers beer as well. Awesome. Well, uh, this is great. You're championing all things that are, are lovely and wonderful and tasty. And um, 450 food bloggers out there? That yep. is a lot. Yep. And cookbook authors, it's not oh, okay. It's not just food bloggers it, anymore. Now we culinary. get a lot of publishers, yeah. editors. We get a lot of wine people. Um, yeah, if, if anything that you can consume, we, <laughs> we attract it. Wow. Well, Washington <laughs> State is now consuming much more than, uh, well, we got medibles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, so much fun. Uh, speaking with Ms. Sherry Weatherall and uh, Barnaby Dorfman is your partner in Foodista.com and the I. IFBC. IFBC. Welterweight yep. champion. Right. <laughs> Do you do some uh, awards for the uh, uh, Food Bloggers Conference? We don't. We've we've always talked about it, but I don't know if I have the bandwidth for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if someone else wants to take it on. Yeah, it's a it lot would, of reading. It, yeah, it, it would be great. A lot of submissions. Yeah. But you can charge an entry fee and then... Ex- we could, <laughs> yeah. It. I like your capitalist thinking. Well, you know, it's all about making sure that you've got the resources to, <laughs> right. to put up with it all. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, bestow the right amount of awards. Because awards are good. Awards are talking points and people feel good about it it and um, heck I'm in the awards business and uh, well it's it's a good thing you Absolutely. Get of, yeah, you get a lot of cred people really enjoy that especially when they know you and you have a, um, you've done a, such a great uh, um, execution of of your your core foundations being this the food bars conference and growing and expanding and providing them this great experience some awards are just the frosting the double gold frosting on the top it would be and you know a lot of bloggers whether they're food bloggers or wine bloggers beer bloggers you know a lot of these folks are doing great great work but not not making any money so you know if, if there could be some sort of recognition for That's them right. this is our industry of passion we, <laughs> right, uh, right. but no one's going hungry and or thirsty i hope that's what's then no you're really god you are not very benefit, good if you, right you know you can't be <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have some happy hour especially happy hour radio well tell me do you have a, a specific it says foodista.com and you can be followed on twitter at at foodista at foodista we're on pinterest uh google plus just everything is foodista F- O-O-D-I-S-T-A. Yeah, are they going to come out with Google Ultra Plus? <laughs> super high it's like grade. like a supercharged. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's all it is. Just content that's like exploding. Um, well, that's really fun. Do you have a, a segment or a column or something on uh, your website that you just really love? That, that's maybe your little pet that's like, this is mine. I'm going to champion this particular. Saffron's my cause and I'm going to everything saffron. Or what What? What do you like about the best about your, your website? About your, our website? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, my editors and I... Which I'll children do you love the best? write about such different things, but I think I'm the one that geeks out a little bit more on food. I mean, I write about everything from, you know, quick and easy 
you know, appetizers that can be ready in five minutes. But I love geeking out like sous vide and, you know, molecular gastronomy, kind of the, Are you doing molecular the stuff? long tail stuff. Molecular. Bar- molecular. Molecular. Barnaby does more of that. He's into the alginates, you know, and foams and we'll make, you know, like tomato caviar for cocktails. Oh, we should share that with Eric. Um you know, some, some fun things. So we just like to do a lot of experimenting in our kitchen. So that I would say is some of the stuff that I'm more passionate about. And I take it you've got some uh, seasonal things heading up on the website now. and uh, We do. Mm-hmm. All holiday so entertaining. Gravy caviar. Yes. Well, I'm working on an article today about the perfect bubbly bar. Hmm. And, you know, champagne, Prosecco, fun things that you can put in them. <laughs> like bacon. You know, like bacon. Yeah, that's new. Seville oranges. Ah, I like that too. Yeah. Uh, so fun. Um, and this is a free website. You don't have to subscribe, but you can Don't have to you subscribe. You just go on to Foodista and just start looking around. Oh, and how many contributors do you have altogether? Contributors, I'm not sure, but combined Masses. website and social media following, we're over 2 million a month. I mean, over 2 million followers. We get about a million viewers a month, and then our social media following is combined. That's interesting we say that a million viewers. It's like food voyeurism. I mean, God, no one really talks about, no one talks about that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's accepted in our industry. Sometimes I wonder if anyone's reading, and then I go, oh, yeah, we yeah, have that. a lot of retweets going on <laughs> and I love retreating uh, <laughs> wait retreat we tweeting we tweeting we tweeting <laughs> at foodista.com well Sherry I want you to stick around after this break uh, we'll talk about a couple of the fun recipes and some of that tomato Perfect. caviar um, and what might go best with some of these holiday the, the cure-all for the, the holidays Ooh, yeah. coming up uh, so stick around here at Happy Hour Radio um, don't forget if you want to learn more about the world of wine check out my friend Jeffrey Dorgan at thespaceneedle.com he's got a wine Academy. And if you just want a road trip and get out there, go to Walla Walla. Walla Walla Hottie Barrel Tasting is next weekend, so I look forward to seeing you out there. Uh, but stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Breaking down the big stories. Lynn Beck. Weekdays, 9 to noon on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Having a great time in studio with Eric Leadholm, the Psalm Slam champion, the director of Wine and Spirits at John Howie restaurants and the owner founder and curator of wildwood spirits because you've got that cure nice. gin which is really tasty shameless commerce mm-hmm. oh, that's what i'm all about <laughs> i have no shame i got sunday tomorrow i'll take care of that uh, uh excited to have sherry weather all the uh well what are we what's your title the executive foodista of uh, the all that, all that Easter. Well, I, I liked the queen of food Easter. <laughs> queen of no, I'm the CEO and co-founder. The CEO, perfect. I love it. So um, it's the holiday season. Obviously, we're we're celebrating, and uh, you know it's Saturday the 29th. But doesn't mean you don't have leftovers. And if you do have leftovers or don't, you got to make something new. Um, what are the, some of the great recipes uh, in this time of of Thanksgiving? Of post turkey. Post turkey, yeah. Uh, uh, apocalypse. Yeah. Oh gosh, and anything from uh, pot pies and mm. t- 
turkey and dumplings. Hot pies? I like the, yeah, yeah. we are in Washington. We are in Washington. <laughs> this is the never-ending pot pie. You keep eating, it just gets better and better. It does. But yeah, I think, I don't know, comfort food. I mean, you could do the standard turkey sandwich, but I, I this time of year, I like something warm and warm. creamy and comforting. And so I like, you know, I like to bake it into stuff and... So we can find, um, can we find warm, creamy, and comforting on your website? You Is absolutely that a little can. tag up there? Yeah. Sounds a little dirty, but yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll only read it at night. <laughs> <laughs> Something when we put the kitties to bed. Um, well, what are the, some of the tags of the, the departments on the website of the, the file? What do we call them? The pages? Do we have, we've got... Yep, pa- landing pages. Landing, yeah. So categories. So there's recipes and cooking. We have health and nutrition, so you can find gluten-free things. Uh, diabetic friendly. We try to cover all of those during during the holidays because not everybody can eat meat or sugar or um, gluten. Um, we have holidays and and um, events. So yeah. So like entertaining and fun yeah. stuff. Food and but, travel. But are we going to expand that to have some cocktails and some sparkling wines? And we do. We do have a drinks category. Yeah. All encompassing. Yes, for everything. I love it. Now, I know that we had that popular soda here, Jones Soda Company, that did the turkey soda. Do you have recipes like that? How do I make my own gravy soda? Oh, I'm sure we do. I I I don't can I haven't done you one. You don't condone that? <laughs> I don't know. That, that Yeah. I know. I always say that for Jones shock value. Soda, but I don't know if I want them in my gravy. Mm, no, that we seems don't. A little... Keep your Jones out of my gravy. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, we're getting crazy on Happy Hour because I, I think I've gotten, some of these botanicals are, are yeah. raising, raising my spirit, my elevation. <laughs> oh, it's um, it's delicious, and I, I really can't remark enough about this gin. You are a gin lover, and I am uh, a gin lover. Do you have some favorite gins? But when you taste this, because this is brand new, right? This it is, is, yeah, yeah. You know, Bainbridge Island does a great, uh, very botanical gin that I, li- I you like. You say the- berry. Bainbridge Island. Oh, Barry. I just yeah. Barry Botanical. That'd be kind of cool. That has very, very botanical. <laughs> Lots of alliteration. <laughs> Lots of, yeah. <laughs> Did Betty, I? Betty good. It could be my, I mean, my lips no, again, no, they are no, so it's numb me. from the. I'm so <laughs> the um, no, I, I, I go with the classics. I like London Dry. I love, uh, you know, you name it. I, I, I'm not very particular when it comes to gin. I like them all. Is this, is there any residual sugar here? Zero. Zero. Wow. I know, and it's so sweet. Mm, the flavor it's that finish—that's got to be that Seville orange, mm-hmm. or, or I'm trying to think. There's also fresh it? lemon. Uh, so there, you know, we we want it to be balanced, and so I think a lot of that sweetness feel may be the viscosity of the the base spirit, which is the vodka. Mm, nice. It's delicious. Well, congratulations on this. Thank you. So yeah, what would you? What food would you pair with with your gin? Good holiday pairing. I mean, I, I'd say it's a great aperitif. So, yes. like gougere, mm, or, you mm. know, and, and kind of tweak the gougere with the juniper, so you could add like a, you know, a truffle road. cheese mm. or, um, uh, you know, a cave aged Gruyere in the gougere to to work with the, with the gin. But you know, mm. I, I would look at a, you know, Negroni, my go to cocktail, and I think of all kind of Spanish Italian type aper- you know, aperitif food. Tapas, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Light, salty. Tapas, you know, oh, yamon nice. and little anchovies, uh, little white anchovies. Some of that jam and hammon. Jam and hammon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well Sherry Weatherall, um foodista.com and at foodista and Pinterest. I, I'm not familiar with that. How does Pinterest work? Do you use it at Foodista or uh 
No, they don't use an at sign, but it's just foodista. I mean, you just go to Pinterest and look for for foodista, but it's very visual. You know, we eat with our eyes. So Mm. when you're looking for a great recipe, you just go onto Pinterest, kind of like Instagram. There's just these beautiful, sexy pictures of of food, and it's a great way to get inspired. Well, I'll be reading that at night, too, then. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Sherry Weatherall, thanks so much. (laughs) What a treat. Glad to have you at foodista.com. Well, delicious. It is this season for being delicious, but don't forget, uh, get some exercise, keep those lipids low, and keep that blood pressure down and um, if you have any questions about health you can just uh, go to wildwoodspirits.com and ask about their cure gin had a great time with Eric Leadholm and Sherry Weatherall thanks so much uh, don't forget folks uh, we're here every Saturday 11am to noon on Happy Hour Radio coming up next week I got Dave Minnick and Leasing Brewing and remember life is always better with a designated driver cheers